The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to NBA Finals File. Jabari Davis here with seven-time champ Robert Ory. Second half of this series, I'm excited for it because this is where MJ puts his stamp on this series and why we call him the GOAT. That's right. And as a reminder, we're talking the 1993 Finals, Michael Jordan versus Charles Barkley. Let's go ahead and jump into game four because you're right. This this game, you know, and, and I know... You know, we think about game six in Utah. We think about the final shot, you know, like, like how that, you know, the whole, you know, final series uh, broke down. But for me, for my money, I honestly think this is his his greatest play, uh, you know, finals performance. I think so, because look at his efficiency. It was off the charts, man. And he had, like we like to say, a double nickel, shot one three, but he was 21 for 37 56% from the field. And that's what you're talking about being efficient. Getting to the free throw line, shot 18 free throws, 13 for 18 from the free throw line. Efficient. 55 points. Double nickel. All right, Rob. I know, you know, I know you don't love doing lists. I don't love them either because people are always going to jump on you. I got to ask. You played with the greats. Can I get your top five? Yeah, my top five changes every day. You know, and when I do my top five, I take MJ off because he is Zeus. He's sitting okay. on top of Mount Olympus, and he's directing all the other people on where to be. So, you know, I got Kobe, Shaq, Dream, Demi Gods. Cap. You know, <laughs> Kobe, Shaq, Dream, Cap. And then uh, this guy doesn't get enough love for me is, 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 is Isaiah Thomas. I put Isaiah in those top five. You know, I know everybody said LeBron. I, I don't put anybody that's still playing in my top five, and that's no disrespect to them, oh. but I just like the, the people who retired and not playing the game because there's so many guys that still has a lot to prove. So 
All right, fair enough. Look, I always say it just like this. Your top five is your top five. It's like when someone asks for like your favorite of something and then somebody will respond and say, what about? It's like, that's not yeah. my favorite. So, you know, <laughs> go yeah, on. Yeah, like, what's your favorite food? And then they were like, oh, uh, I might be allergic to, you know, peanut butter if that's your mm-hmm. favorite food. I might be a peanut, I'm allergic to that. So now. why you would get mad at me, you know? Exactly. They won that triple overtime ball game. They're back in the series. They're down 2 one. They know if they can win this game. It's a dead even series, and they've got the home court advantage. There's a feeling that the battle has been joined, that the Phoenix Suns are here as foes, not foils, that they did more than restore their pride on Sunday, that they made it a series again. And now it's the Bulls' turn to respond to a challenge. Rob, so initially I I was planning on asking you why Westfall didn't put Richard Dumas or some other players with a bit more size in order to make Jordan's life more difficult throughout this one until basically I saw what it looked like because he put Dumas on him at the start of this game and Jordan was right back to getting wide open looks in space and then when Dumas would step up, he would get past him with a hard drive to the rack. Michael just giving a clinic of getting to the hoop. Now to Jordan, quickly by Cleveland, Marley, and he slams it home. Michael Jordan now. Looks like he is going to drive every time he gets his hand on a ball until they stop it. By the time they switched Marley on him, he was already in a rhythm and already knocking down contested three from the corner. While there's really no answer for him, I noticed the Suns players and his man in particular looking to run on any long jumper that he happened to shoot. Is that an adjustment in the game plan or simply you know, taking advantage of the situation? Uh, you contest and you snowbird or take off or, you know, have, because when MJ is rolling that, like that, you try to contest the shot. You're not going to block it because he can either fade away or go over the top of you. So you take off. So his his mindset is, do I get back defensively or do I stay within my shot? It's MJ. He's going to stay within the shot. He's going to knock it and then get back. And so that's the game plan. You try to get guys off their rhythm and that sort of thing because when you are a great scorer, you're not going to worry about getting back on the defensive end. But coaches think that might play. They try to play the mind tricks with you, and it don't work with the great scores because they're going to get buckets and then say, hey, that's someone else's job to get back. <laughs> it actually looked like it got the Bulls going as they also countered by running off any missed shot. And if honestly, if Pippen wasn't leading the break, he was finishing at the rim. Long floating pass ahead to BJ. Flops to Pippen. Good jam. Skying in from the right side. A great alley-oop. Two on one feet. This game was another great one. Both teams were fighting back and forth. You know, they made short runs only to have the other team respond each time. But ultimately, you know, as we as we led into it, there's really no way to fully describe it without you know telling people, go watch the highlights of this game. Go watch the footage of this game because MJ, he just destroyed any matchup they threw at him. Jordan will drive again to the hoop. Score it. Count it. He'll have another try at a three-point play. Either go foul him or foul him. Foul him hard. You know, think about it. If you go back, like you said, and look at this game, what made MJ so efficient in this game, every time he caught the ball, he went quick. It was either a turnaround jumper or he got it in attack. And that's the key thing for players because sometimes players, they sit back and they wait for the double team. And if you attack from the get-go, it's hard for that double team to come down because you're already splitting it. You're already taking the shot. So you look at this game. Every time he got it, he was either, you know, turning quick over his right shoulder or his left shoulder or, you know, doing a reverse pivot. And attacking the basket. So he was in attack mode. And that's why he had the double nickel. 
And in Barkley, to his credit, he was phenomenal once again, you know, to the tune of a 32.12 rebound, 10 assist, triple double. KJ right side, Chicago by four. Here's Barkley underneath. Phil Jammon. It's a two point game as the Suns battle back. But even KJ's 19 and Dumas's 17 on eight for 11 from the floor, they weren't enough to offset the 55 and eight from Jordan. It was just, just a massive performance, all, you know, like from start to finish. Isolate Jordan. 10 seconds to go on the shot clock. 15 in the ballgame. Michael will take it. He's fouled. He scores. He threw it up. Off balance and went in. Oh, my. Michael with his fist flip near midcourt. I tell you, he's just simply amazing. He does whatever he has to do to beat you. Horace Grant was also great for the Bulls once again. He had 17 and 16. And in Chicago, they wind up taking game four, 111-105 for the 3-1 series lead. Barkley had a triple double, and you look at this game and you watch what MJ did and say 55, and you're like, think about it. Barkley had 32, 12, and 10, and some of his passes were dynamic. It was it, it was magic like because there was a couple of plays where you see Danny Ainge sneaking it on the baseline. He would snap it to him. He got a reverse layup. It's little things like that. It wasn't like one of those passes where, oh, we're on a fast break. I'm leading to a guy left. It was efficient passes, precise passes, almost like a Tom Brady touchdown pass leading to key baskets. As I mentioned earlier with this 55-point master, masterpiece he put on the Suns, he only shot one three. He missed it. But the thing about him is when you see all the commercials, you see all the, the vintage NBA moments of Michael Jordan, you think about the move he did against the Lakers where he goes up with the right and then come down with the left. He did this move like three or four times in this game. And that's the vintage Michael that we all know and love. If you watch the way he went to the rack, he would go with the right sometimes and then he would go with the left. And Mike, Michael's ability to switch hands in traffic like that. You know, you mentioned earlier, Javari, how strong his hands were and how strong he is. As a player, I don't think guys understand how hard that is. You're going in traffic, you're getting hit by the defense, and you're able to switch hands. And it doesn't even look like he's getting hit, but if you look closely, he's getting hit, mm -hmm. and he's able to lay it up. But also, I want to go back to my point. Everything he did in this game was quick. He was, yeah. he was in attack mode from jump. He was attacking the basket. He was getting layups. He was getting uh, shots from the mid-range. And think about it. Most guys in this day and age, they come off a double screen, they run into the three-point line. No. MJ was coming out 18, 19 foot, straight up catch and shoot. And if you contested the shot, it didn't matter. If you came and you closed out really hard, he went to the hole. So I want every person that watches basketball and thinks that you got to shoot threes to get points, no. Watch this game and watch how MJ orchestrates a 55 piece by just playing great not good great basketball you can't uh say enough about michael's effort he just doesn't want to lose he was attacking the basket he just kept going at the basket and going at the basket he was unbelievable he's unreal he played <laughs> played like michael this is going to sound like a funny comparison but when I was watching him operate in this game, whether it was on the break, but in particular, like when he when he, when he you cross in half court, you know, attacking, it was almost like a shark hunting. Have you ever like you ever watched him? You know, like the Nick, like the, his movements look like that. You know how you talked about them being quick. It, it 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 again. 
we've all watched basketball. You played basketball and competed at the highest level and had all t- and, and, and have done this. But for whatever reason, it just looked a little bit different with him. Was this peak Jordan in your, by your estimation? I, I think it was peak Jordan. Um, he was he was at the top. He was at the uh, the upper echelon of his game. He was doing the things that he could do that nobody else in the game could do. And you think about it, he retired after this season. Yeah. And everybody's like, what? You know, there's two guys that retired too early, him and Barry Sanders. You were all looking like, why? And this is what happened with MJ. He retired at the peak of his game. And that's what made everybody question, you know, why is he leaving the game? But, you know, took a time out, your lady comes back. But this guy's game was just unbelievable. All right, thanks. And Charles, the other night we were talking, you guys are down 3-1, and you kept saying, it's our destiny. It's our destiny. I, I believe it is our destiny to win the world championship. I have believed that for about, uh, for the last year. And I believe in my heart that we're going to win the world championship. And I told you that. I don't care about being down 3-1. God want us to win the world championship. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far, Charles. Oh, no. but, I talked but, to him another night. But wait a minute, Charles. Now, how do you guys remain so confident? Well, this is our fifth game that if we lost it, our season was over. But I'm telling you, it's destiny. I don't care what anybody says. We believe that it's our destiny to win the world championship this year. Had to be motivated by the people who are getting ready for a championship. Uh, yes, Chicago. You can take all that wood off them wonders. There won't be no rise and things tonight. Might be later, but take all that plywood off the windows. All right, Charles. We'll see you in Phoenix. Thank you, baby. All right. So, Rob, I have to ask this before we move on to Game Five. If he doesn't retire, who wins those titles? Those those two that uh, that someone else that we know won. Uh, the same team, same one. You know, a lot of people want to sit here and, and debate this, but you know, the greats do lose. And, you know, when people got to understand that, you know, as great as Michael Jordan was, there are other players out there. That are great too. And I think people, they put too much on MJ and that he could have did that alone. It takes a team effort to win this game. And you can see it. Even though he had 55 in this game, he still had 14 from Scotty, 17 from Horace, 11 from BJ. You need your teammates to step up. And sometimes there are other greats just sitting back there that are a little bit hungrier than those that are already winning championships. I mean, does it really boil down to they would not have had any answer for Dream? Exactly. Because you look at this, Cartwright couldn't guard him. And you know what happened in 95 when Horace tried to guard him. None of that worked. Hell, Horace can't even guard me <laughs> in 95. <laughs> but, <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Side note, sidebar, a little fun. <laughs> exactly. An entire city sits on the edge of hysteria tonight. With the festive crowd anticipating a three-peat for the Bulls. Michael, could you talk about the killer instinct in the playoffs over the last few years? There's no doubt about it. This is the night the Bulls are going to make it three NBA titles in a row. Is there any way this thing were to go back to Phoenix in your mind? Well, as I said, I and I got rid of all my warm clothes, so uh, I'm not going back. You're not supposed to win. They're not expected to win. And the pressure is all on you, and that gives you that anticipation that you got to play not to lose. Don't do it that way. Go out there and seize it. Let's move on to game five because, you know, I labeled this Phoenix Rises from the Ashes. Rob, I actually have to give the, you know, the, the Suns credit for a second in this one. You know, because strictly as an observer, and I know that you're going to you know, you're gonna be like, what? But strictly as an observer, I might have understood if they, especially coming off of that Jordan game that they just saw, you know, he had just had 55. There was nothing they could do, with him, you know, do with, you know, about it. It's been eight months, man. This is what it's all been working for, man. For all the guys who've never been here before, we want to make it happen for everybody. 
I personally might have understood if they didn't quite have enough left in the tank to muster up a great one, but they absolutely did. They, they, they did. And you think about this, you watch this game, they won the first quarter, they lost the second quarter, but they won the third and the fourth. And sometimes you have to break basketball down to quarters. We got to win this quarter. We got to win this quarter. And I, I don't know if that's what their mindset was. When you're playing Michael Jordan, if you can win a quarter against him, you have a good chance of winning a series or winning a game. And I think that's how the, the approach was for this game. And the way the Suns came out, they came out with their backs against the wall and they knew they had to step up to the moment. Well, think about it. They scored 33 in that first and held Chicago to 21. Yeah, to that point, you know, the Suns, they held a double-digit lead for most, you know, for much of the first quarter, and they wound up taking a 33-21 lead into the second. Richard Dumas, once again, was really good in this one. He wound up being one of three Suns starters with over 20 points, scoring 25 points on 12 for 14 from the floor. Once again, just uh, amazing. And you know what? This is the crazy thing. I, didn't, I had forgotten he's technically a rookie at this point. Yes, he's a rookie. He's been around the league. He's been in our league for personal issues, and he went 12 for 14. And think about it. He had 25 points in this game and shot only two free throws. <laughs> that lets you know he was really efficient. He was playing above the rim, and he was getting buckets. And, and one of the things I want to really point out with Richard Dumas, around the bucket, he can use his right hand. He can use his left hand. He has a he he's he's quick off the floor, and when you have that ability to have that second bounce and that third bounce where you jumping higher than everybody else around you, you're gonna be a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. So Chicago was they, they were able to get back in it in the second quarter. Spark bar an 8-0 run that was capped off by a, a pippin dunk over over your guy Oliver Miller. You know, shout out to you know shout out to Oliver Miller. I, I felt for him in this one. But honestly, this dunk was reminiscent of one of your finals dunks, Rob. Even when when I'm watching this game, I was like, man, Pip used to dunk all the time, and he would dunk on people. And Mm -hmm. when you're long and you're athletic and you have the hops like Pip, and people who don't know Oliver Miller know Oliver Miller, he, I think, was third in the SEC in blocks. Um, Shaq was first. I was second. And I think Oliver was third. Third, or we might have been back for it. I know, don't, don't quote me on that one, but he was a great shot blocker, Oliver Miller. Because then I think in the previous game, he had two, maybe three blocks. And so Oliver Miller, he thought he was going to block this one, but Scotty elevated and just, woo. And it, it wasn't a dunk that when you was close to rim, if you look at where Scotty was, it was an extension and he was maybe like five feet from the basket. So that's what made it really nasty. <laughs> is Scotty's nastiest playoff dunk the one on Ewing? And sorry, Knicks fans, I know, I know it hurts, but I'm sorry. That's one of the greatest playoff dunks I've ever seen. Great passing. Oh, Holy cow. Yeah, you know, it, it, if you watch it when you're coming down the left side court, you think, you think Rock the Baby, Dr. J when he dunks on Coop. Mm. But this one. You dunking on a guy that's a little bit taller than you, a little bit bigger than you, and a little bit stronger than you. And then you knock him down to the floor. All you can say is the force is with you. <laughs> <laughs> Not just knock him down to the floor. Step, step and walk over him and then walk over to Spike Lee. Shout out to Spike Lee and tell him to sit down. I'm sorry. That's just, yeah. that's just a fantastic moment. All right. But back to this series. Back to this series. 
I want to point something out because we've referenced it on several, you know, several occasions you know, when uh, breaking down other series along the way. John Paxson came in and he knocked down three straight threes in the second quarter and ultimately goes four for five from deep, also while swiping three steals. Here's Paxson straight away for three. He's going to factor in in a major way in game six. So did you see game, you know, his game five as what he needed to kind of get a rhythm and a feel for this series? You think about this. We hadn't talked about this guy at all. And the Bulls have always had that guy that can step in at any moment and knock down threes. If it's Tucker, you know, if it's BJ. And think about it. Paxson. Craig Hodges back in the day. Yeah, Craig Hodges. Paxson, you know, getting 15 minutes here, 12 minutes there. But for him to have the confidence, and I talk about this a lot. People talk about your ability to play, but if you don't have the confidence in your game and your teammates having the confidence in your game, you're not going to thrive in the NBA. And Paxson, he believed in himself because if you look at a couple of those shots, they were shots where he came down on a break, nobody around him, and pull up for a three. And this has been on a team with MJ where you're like, no, you can't shoot that. <laughs> Get a ball to MJ and wait your turn. He took it upon himself saying, yo, I'm feeling good. I'm shooting it, and he's knocking it down. Three in a row, three big threes, man, to get him in the game. So in this one, even though the Bulls, they made runs in the third, Phoenix was still able to keep them at bay and, you know, they, and keep the lead right around double digits into, you know, heading into the fourth quarter. Even when the Bulls cut it to seven, Phoenix was uh, answered right back with a Barkley-led break that wound up uh, in an Ainge layup. Mike was still Mike throughout the fourth, but did you notice anything specific that you know, Phoenix leaned on in order to keep the lead in this one? I think they were scrambling a lot more. And when teams are desperate, they have a tendency to scramble and try to, you know, mess up the game in that sense is make you get out of your offense. And we know the triangle. The triangle is everybody's going to be in a certain spot. You're going to have, you know, efficiency of movement in the triangle. And when you can make them scatter a lot and get them out of that rhythm, it helps. So that's what Phoenix was doing. It was contesting shots getting guys up their sweet spot. They were rotating. And the thing that I like best is, you know, they were out trying to muscle the Bulls because we know from the past of the history of the Bulls, they don't like physicality. And I think that's what the Suns were trying to do. They were trying to up the physicality in this game and get the Bulls off their sweet spots. And speaking of that physicality, you know, the, one, the, the basic uh, culminating play uh, in this fourth quarter was, was a situation where Barkley was able to maneuver around the double team in the post to find KJ for, you know, open in the dunker spot, resulting in a layup plus the foul that put them back up nine with just a minute 41 to play. Kevin Johnson dribbles all the way, coast to coast, and scores. And you can put it in the bank. We're going back to Arizona. The Suns wind up taking game five, 108-98, and forcing the action back to Phoenix. Now we're going to the valley. Could be hot. Could be real hot. I would be lying if I said we were not disappointed because we could not accomplish the ultimate goal here in Chicago. I talk about, you know, making them uh, uncomfortable. And think about this. We just talked about Michael Jordan last game shooting one three and getting 55. In this game, he shot seven threes, uncharacteristic of Michael Jordan. And that's a credit to the Suns' defense. They pushed him out further. Mm -hmm. And we know the greats are going to get their shots up. And so now the Suns' defense was ramped up. They pushed Mike out to the three-point line. You know, they made Scotty go eight for 20, even though Scotty had 22 points. You know, look at Harsh Grant, one point. B.J. Armstrong, seven points. Bill Cartwright, two points. You know, that's 10 points from three of your starters. And that lets you know the defense was engaged 
and they was playing with a, a, a high energy and trying to force them off their sweet spots. This has to be considered one of the most disheartening losses this franchise has ever been dealt. And there will be no celebrating in Chicago tonight. A very, very, very disappointing loss for us. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really tough to swallow. All right, it's time for a quick break. We got game six coming up. But before we get to that, let's get to a story time. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DK Hoops for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back here on NBA Finals Files. All right, Rob, this is my, you know this is my favorite <laughs> section. What do you got for the story time this week? Uh, the story time goes to this was my first year in the NBA. And, you know, when you coming into the league, you always want to measure yourself by the greats. And I remember my first game in Chicago Stadium. You know, Vernon Maxwell, who we all, you know, love dear, we know his, his competitive nature. He comes in the game talking about, well, we're going to get your butts this game. And he's talking to Michael Jordan. He's talking trash to Michael Jordan. Then he looks over to Scotty and starts talking trash to Scotty. And he tells Scotty, yeah, my little rook. He's going to tear your butt up, too. I'm like, hey, 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 don't put me in this mix, man. Because, you know, anytime you talk trash to great ones, you usually get a good game out of them, right? So I was like, yo, man, don't get me involved in this. And so that was one of the things I like to tell because, you know, Vernon Maxwell, the competitor he was, at, he, was he would go, him and Michael Jordan, they had some classic battles. And 
you mentioned earlier how you asked if the Bulls would have won in 94 and 95 when Mike stepped away. And if you look at the battles Vernon and MJ had, and Mike has been known to say two things, that Vernon was one of the toughest defenders he had to go against, and that two, that they had no answer from the, for the dream, Hakeem Olajuwon. So when people always want to throw, oh, the Bulls would have won five in a row. First of all, we had Dream, and they had nobody, I mean nobody, that can even hang with Dream. At least we could throw Vernon and Mario Elliott at MJ. I'm not saying they're as great as MJ, but I'm saying they would at least gave them some type of resistance. They had no resistance for Dream. And so you look back at 94 and 95 when we, meaning the Rockets, won the championships. Olajuwon, MVP, 94. Defensive player of the year, 94. Finals MVP. So don't take away what we were able to accomplish because MJ stepped away. Dream had his moment, and Dream is one of the greatest big men to ever play this game. So don't, you know, you know, put a stain on our championship because MJ stepped away. You can drop the mic. I've got nothing to say about that. I understand, and I, and, and I would agree. <laughs> the, the Chicago Bulls are in trouble. They're in trouble. Everybody better hold on. Let's go from the start. Let's do this. What time is it? All right, let's get to game six because the Bulls are are getting ready to join Elite Company. What's the message, as someone that played for Phil, what's Phil's message like heading into this one in Phoenix, Ralph? He's going to tell you, the first thing he's going to say, stay in the moment. That's his favorite line. Stay in the moment. Go out there and play good defense. You know, run the triangle with efficiency. No turnovers because... Turnovers lead to easy baskets, and you can't afford to give the Phoenix Suns easy baskets because they have guys who can get hot from three, like Dan Marley and Danny Ainge. So he just says, stay in the moment, be efficient, and be in attack mode. I'll tell you this. It, it's, it felt to me, like as I was watching this footage, like each one of the Bulls had, the, they were humming in tune, closing time in their head at the start of this one. They start off the game, Horace Grant meets Dumas at the rim to thwart Phoenix's you know, first possession. Uh, then Mike calls his own number. No shock there. You know, the next time down with a deep two. Uh, the Bulls wound up taking control over the course of the quarter on the heels of a B.J. Armstrong three, followed by two threes from Jordan. Now jump pass cross court to B.J. Fires a three out of the corner and hit it with three seconds to go on the shot clock. B.J. knocks down a three from deep from the left corner there. Pippen has another one of those nasty baseline dunks over Barkley in this one. Do you remember that play? You see a smart veteran Chicago team. Pippen with the shot. Oh, what a move by Scotty Pippen. The Bulls now lead by eight. The Bulls seem to have this one under control right now. Uh, yes, you know, Barkley was cool with Pip and Jordan because of, of the Olympics. But mm. those guys had a different mental. Hey, we cool off the court, but on the court, we're going to attack you. And you know, Scotty, he was in dunk mode this series. He was in dunk mode big time. And for him to just dunk on Barkley and just yeah. stare him down, and I, I would know. I would have loved to know what he said to him because I know he said something. He talked a little trash after that dunk. Oh, he had to. Absolutely had to. And I would have loved it. This is where we need to. You know, we needed them to be mic'd up like <laughs> as, as frequently as they are now because I can imagine that Chuck would have had something to say in return. The Bulls finished the quarter on a ten-two run and took a thirty-seven twenty-eight lead into the second quarter. Much of the same from the teams in the second, but I wanted to point out a play that took place with just under four twenty left in the half. 
KJ is operating from the wing, and the Bulls doubled off Tom Chambers. Chambers, who we already acknowledge, he's on the back half of his career at this point, but he turns back the clock with a nice baseline drive for the reverse dunk over Grant and Cartwright. 420, Were you surprised to still see him get up like this at this stage in his career? You know, you have those spry moments as a player as you get up in age. I had one in 2005. Mm-hmm. And so every now and then, you like to, we said, turn back the hands of time. And that's what Tom Chambers did. You know, he was one of those guys who had some incredible hops. We've said it before. His dunk on Mark Jackson was one of the best dunks ever. But he could turn it back every now and then. And, and, and you think about it. If you look at the way they were playing him in this series, it was almost like every other game he would get significant minutes. And then when he got in the game, he had a lot of energy to provide, you know, sparks like this dunk. So Chicago, they were scorching from downtown in this one. Oh, they are on fire from downtown. They are putting on a show. You know, as B.J. Armstrong, he had four first half threes. And honestly, when he wasn't knocking down one or Jordan wasn't knocking down one, it was John Paxson's turn to make one. Yeah, 10 for 14 in this game. No, for 71%. And this is not like the Bulls. You know, these guys came out scorching. And I figured they said, you know what? We're going to take a page out of the Suns book. You know, you got Thunder Dan knocking down threes. You got Danny Ainge knocking down threes. We got some sharp shooters over here, too. And they came out, and they was very efficient with it. All right. So moving forward, we're down to 112 left. And Thunder Dan pulls up for, honestly, it was like a Curry range (laughs) three-pointer that bounces in and out twice before Barkley stays off both Pippen and Grant for the rebound. Phoenix doesn't wind up scoring on the possession, but honestly, I mentioned it because Chuck was really doing absolutely everything he could out there. It was actually his 17th board of the night and his seventh offensive rebound. Yeah, round mound of rebound. That's why he's called that. He creates so much space. If you watch him, he puts his arms up and he has that lower center, center of gravity. And he has that derriere that can get you out of the way. And his hops are incredible. I would have loved to know what his vertical was because yeah. it had to be 44 or above because he was just go up, snatch it out the air, and then go back up and put it up with the ease. That's what's always going to be amazing to me. A man of that si- of that size and stature with those types with that, that that type of quick burst, but you know, overall you know, leaping ability is just it's just un- unheard of. All right, honestly, as crazy as it sounds, it's almost like the Suns lose sight of Jordan because he comes, he just basically comes down in transition and drives the length of the court for an easy layup. 43 seconds to go on the game. MJ pushes it the other way. Here comes Jordan all the way to the basket. Leaves it up and in from coast to coast. Now it's a two-point game, 98-96. What did you see there? This is where I have a lot of respect for players like Giannis, who says he's not trying to be friends with guys. Because in this moment, this is a playoff basketball, and this is the 90s where you can give a hard foul, and MJ is coming at Charles. And we all know Charles and MJ are friends. This is one of those ones. This is a Detroit slash Rodman play where you got to go up and hammer Jordan and not give him easy baskets. And he was going to the basket effortless. It was no, it was no resistance. It was nobody there trying to make him get off the floor every time he played. You know, he went to the hole. And that's one of the things we always say as basketball players, no easy backs, no layups. If they come and get a layup, make them get off the floor. Because when, as a player, if you're constantly picking yourself off the floor, 
it's tiring you out and it's making you think, man, I ain't going back in there because I'm getting beat up. And Charles never once hammered Scotty or MJ when they went to the hole. There was this was one of those games where, you know, they was just, you know, going to the basket of ease without getting off the floor. And that's wild to me. And I get it. And believe me, I'm I'm never one that's advocating for anybody to hurt anybody out there. You know, that's like that's the last thing I want. But mm-hmm. I, I I was stunned. I was stunned. It was like, no, Mike needed to be on his back on that one. There's no yeah. <laughs> there's no way you could just let him yeah. just let him lay yeah. that up. It's playoff basketball. It's not to hurt people. It's just hard fouls to make them feel it. And I know people are like, but that's not basketball. This is the 90s. That's how basketball was played. Hey, look, we saw what happened in the very ne- you know, the next year when you went up for <laughs> when you went up for a dunk. Anthony Mason told us, "Your know, rest in peace, Mason." Anthony Mason said, "Hey, look, it's playoffs, young man. It's playoffs." Mm-hmm. So, all right. So on the next time down, I'll give Phoenix credit for this because they were doing everything they could to stop Jordan. You got Michael. You keep him out of the middle. No penetration. No penetration by anybody. Uh, but Pippen meets him at the three point line and then pivots and gets into the teeth of the defense. Pippen then finds Grant in the dunker spot, forcing Ainge to double down hard off of Paxson. Michael Jordan will inbound. Pax waiting for BJ to come back, and Michael flips it in to BJ, back to Michael. They want Michael to get a full head of steam, try to keep him in the middle of the floor. Michael, 11 seconds. Across the timeline, he comes, goes to Pippen. Pippen breaks inside. Pippen got the shot. They go to Grant. You know a little bit about being left wide open. On a broken play, in a broken play situation. But was Paxson, what was Paxson thinking as Grant kicks it out to him? Oh my God, I'm wide open. And that's that's <laughs> all you can think. It's like, you know what? I'm open. Mechanics. You think of mechanics. You know, you're thinking, okay, catch, make sure your feet are set, gooseneck. Because once you get to gooseneck, everything else is good. And I think you watch Paxson. Throughout the last two games, it was a prelude to this moment. Absolutely. The Paxson. Paxson going for the win. There's Paxson for three. Paxson. Yeah. 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 Yes. The Bulls take a one-point lead. And this round is done. John Paxson nails a three. That's the first score by anybody other than Michael Jordan in the entire fourth quarter. What? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? If they are a team of destiny, something positive will happen right here. We talked about Mark West. We only mentioned him a couple of times at the beginning of this, this show. Is He's an excellent shot blocker. And he's a guy who has some strength and size on him. And Horace was playing the four spot, and he wasn't one of those strong fours. So he was getting, he had a moment to go up, but was, Danny Ainge was following him to Mark, to Mark West. And, and, and West, was there to block the shot. So you kick it out. You kick it to the open guy because everybody else was barreling down on this play. And so it's the right basketball move. And we talk about this all the time. People get so upset. Like, why didn't he take that shot? And you kick it out to a lesser known player. But you got to think, these players are specialists. These players have been in this moment from middle school, high school, college, to the pros. They're in the pros for a reason. They all have a skill set. and Horace making the right basketball move, kicks it to the wide open guy. Think about that. He was, it wasn't a guy 20 feet close to him. And it's just in the gym by yourself, routine three, and he knocks it down for the game winner. And you know what? Then salute and shout out to Horace for making the right play because you're right. You know, the the rest is history. You know, Paxson knocks it down. So Rob, we get to this last play and I want to ask you specifically about it because it, it appears as though it's run for KJ to catch the ball up top. 
uh, and that's in that you know that in, that does take place. You know, Oliver Miller sets a great screen, you know, on, on Jordan. Uh, KJ gets you know gets open, you know, has the ball. He drives in, and he's operating again. You know, he's, he's kind of weaving his way through a little bit of traffic. But then Horace, you know, he, he attempts a leaner that Horace Grant ends up making a fantastic play. You know, uh, you know, another you know back basically back to back great plays from Horace Grant. Looking, looking, KJ bounce pass tip grabbed by Oliver Miller back to KJ. Here's Johnson. Johnson gets no, he could not get it off. Knocked away by Grant. It's all over. The Chicago Bulls three straight NBA championships. The Bulls win the championship. What did you see on that play? But I'm gonna just say four seconds. There's three point nine, but I'm gonna say four seconds. With four seconds left to go. That's a long time. And there's a lot of things that went on in this play. And if you you watch this play, it's really set up for Barkley. It's supposed to be a whip play where Barkley, he gets in the post and he whips the defender. And he has sort of like one of the guys that loved his play was, you know, Paul Pierce used to use it in Boston. Carl Malone used it in Utah. And what they do is they come across the paint and they get the defender on their back. But Scotty, long and athletic, he kind of messes up the play by kind of pulling Barkley and getting over the top. And so Barkley couldn't post him up. Now you go back to the KJ thing on the inbound. He gets a heck of a pick by Oliver Miller. He knocks MJ off. So MJ, he cannot guard KJ. Now KJ comes off and he's attacking Horace. And if he goes, he couldn't go to the hole because Barkley is in the middle of the paint for the play mm-hmm. that was run for him. He can't kick it to Darren Marley, who was on the wing, because B.J. Armstrong is not giving him that shot. So he had no other choice but to take that floater in the paint. But the bad thing about that shot is Horace Grant, all defensive team, is on his right side. K.J., Mm -hmm. right-handed. So as he goes, he puts the ball right in Horace Grant's face so Horace is able to block it and then win the game. So if you really break down this play, and we talk about – teams in the playoffs being good defensively. Are you able to step up at this moment and be great defensively? The Bulls did everything great in this last play to win the game. They guarded Dan Marley on the wing. They guarded KJ when the switch with Horace Grant coming off the pick and roll. And then Pip guarded Charles Barkley in the paint. So everything they needed to do to be successful happened in this play. I really do appreciate that breakdown because I honestly, you know, the, the, it's the game within the game that I may not always recognize. I watched that play and said, man, wait a second. Why didn't they get the ball to Barkley? You know what I mean? But yeah. it, like you, you pointing out specifically how Pippen expertly, you know, you know, defended that, that, that that's fantastic. Yeah. I was going to say to that, you know, the, the, the key on that so many times people forget that there is defense out there on the floor and sometimes the defense can step up and make spectacular plays. And that whole sequence of action there was played great by the Bulls. So that's why they were a championship-type caliber team, and that's why they won the championship in 1993. For the third year, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls have climbed the Mount Olympus of the NBA. They're the world champions of basketball. Three-time NBA world champion, Chicago Bulls. Congratulations. It's a great accomplishment. So that was their third in a row. They joined, you know, as previously mentioned, the you know, uh, Minneapolis Lakers, as well as those great Boston Celtics team as just the third franchise at that time. 
two win, you know, you know two three peat. It was a lot harder than anything that I've ever done before in the game of basketball. But when you become a part of it, you cherish it. We may not know what it means now, but when you know my kids get bigger and other people have their kids, and we remember this day and three championships in a row, you know that's going to bring a proud smile to anybody's face. You know, wrapping it up before we go in the break. You know, just overall thoughts on the series. I thought it was a great series, and I wonder if MJ was sitting back saying, hmm, Barkley, you're MVP this year. We know who the best player in this game is. Now I got to go out and prove it. You know, he goes out <laughs> and averages, I would average 44 points in this series, something like that. Something. And he just goes out and annihilates the Suns. And, 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 and you know, I'm not going to say he crowns himself because he already had the crown. He just adds a little bit more jewelry to his collection. So, MJ, the GOAT. Sometimes you just got to remind folks what, you know, what it is. <laughs> and it really is that simple. Well, I, you know, it's uh, really difficult, I think, for our team right now because you, you kind of just hurt. I mean, I think people don't understand. Sometimes they talk about how much money guys make and what commercials they do and whatever. But at times like this, I think it's, it's really bad to be an athlete, whether it's the Super Bowl, uh, whether it's the World Series, whether it's the NBA Finals. I mean, I don't think people uh, realize that you are human. You do have feelings. Um, and, 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 you know, right now, you're kind of actually caught between a rock and a hard place. Uh, because you, you want to say it was a great year, but you 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 feel so bad right now, and um, just disappointed, hurt, and uh, I, I think what disappoints us the most. I, I really think deep down we feel like I'm not gonna sit and say we're better than the Bulls, but I think we feel like we're just as good as they are. I think if uh, in the four games we lost. Uh, Hypothetically, we could have won in any one of the games or, or, or all four of them. But it just wasn't meant to be. And uh, we can't do anything about it but congratulate the Bulls and uh, just just try to try to keep a, keep your emotions under control because right now you, you, you hurt a lot. All right, one more quick break. When we come back, the Finals File Awards. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, 
Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back here on NBA Finals File. Rob, you know I love this section too. The NBA Finals File Awards. Who's your MVP? I mean, I I feel like we know. But who's your MVP for this series? Horace Grant. <laughs> no man. Hey, Hole Grant was great. No, you know, Scotty was great. Hole Grant was great. And then, you know, you know, let's be let's be honest. I, I, people will probably you know come looking for me if I didn't give it to MJ. MJ was just yeah. fantastic in this series, man. What he was able to do each and every night, um, his efficiency, his his ability to you know when you needed a three to knock down a three, when you needed a bucket to get buckets, he was just. Michael Jordan that we all call the GOAT. Really nothing to add to that. Mike was Mike. <laughs> and, and 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 once again, Mike reminded me when I watched this, Mike reminded me of exactly why there's so many players and so many people that followed him that wanted to be just like him. All right. This is one where I think it could go a lot of different places. So I'm really interested in seeing your opinion. Who's the best role player in this series? It's so weird. I was, you know, up and down with who I wanted to give it to. Do I give it to? Horace Grant for, you know, the, his last two, his assists and his block in game six. Do I give it to Paxson for his ability to knock down knock down threes? But, you know, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know who to give it to. And I said, is Scottie Pippen a role player? But at the end of the day, I just had to give it to B.J. Armstrong. That makes sense. In the re- and, you know, where you just, you know, kind of alluded to, I was wondering. I was like, "Is it's?" I feel like it's disrespectful to call you know Pippen a role player, mm-hmm. and, and I feel like Pippen would absolutely say we were being disrespectful. <laughs> so yeah, exactly, I, it, they, that makes sense. I know, and 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 not 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 taking anything from BJ because BJ was like, "Hey, I ain't no role player either." But BJ Armstrong was the baby face assassin in this series. You know, in this game, he had eighteen. He was always quietly getting his points, and then, you know, eighteen here, a uh, 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 seven here. I know people like seven. But sometimes his buckets were key buckets in each and every game. I, so I have to go with B.J. Armstrong as my my role player that, you know, stepped up big. Because, you know, eight points here, seven points here. But when you need him in the final game, he had 18 points, 
four for five from the three point line. Very efficient. Honestly, it's an excellent choice. I think I think you know. I'll put it like this: It was so close that I, if had you gone with Horace, I would have understood that as well. But BJ makes sense too. You were also, you know, we talk about this guy Richard Dumas. Oh yeah, you know he was all over the board. Barkley changed his mind. He could have been that guy, and just for you know, just for comedy, I almost gave it to Danny Ainge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, salute. Uh, you know, the great Danny Ainge. All right. <laughs> what about the coaching matchup in this one? Can't speak ill of someone who's not with us anymore. So I just think Phil Jackson, you know, having Pip and and, and, and Jordan on his team makes him an excellent coach. And so he's my you know, my choice for coach because not because he's just he wanted because he was able to stay pat with the triangle, run it really efficient, played John Paxson when he need. And, you know, think about it. There were games. We didn't even talk about this guy, Trent Tucker. Yeah. There, I, I, it was one of the games. I don't remember which game it was. He came out, had eight, nine mm-hmm. quick points, and for him to just, you know what? Let's insert Trent Tucker here because he's a microwave. He's a guy who can go out and get you buckets really quick. And so he inserted Trent Tucker here and there, which was major. You know, to yeah. give MJ some rest here and there, to give you know uh, BJ some rest here and there. So his way, he manipulated his lineups and his, his substitution pattern. So gives him to you know, the coaching award to that point i was gonna say the great coaches know that you know they know their personnel they know their roster it's the reason why whenever i see on 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 social media when people are like how come this guy's not playing it's like i feel like the coach knows a little bit more about his players than you but you know yeah. that's neither here nor there yeah and sometimes guys have injuries that they don't you know disclose and so that might be a reason he's playing but you know phil you know having the pleasure to play for phil was one of the you know the the, the greatest moments in my career because if you know me, you know there's two players I really idolized growing up. That was Magic and Scotty. And Phil was always, you know, talking to me about, you know, not with me, us as a team, on how great Scotty was for this team. It would be no MJ without Scotty. And we kind of touched on that earlier. And for Phil to always tell us to stay in the moment. And that's his biggest, his biggest. Thing he tries to hammer home. Stay in the moment. Each game is its own game. Okay, you blew out a game, blew out a team in game one. Who cares? Game two is a is a different game. Stay in the moment. Stay focused. Follow the game plan. Because we're smart enough. We've been here all year. We had all these tests physically and mentally to lead us up to this moment. So stay ready. And that that that's the one thing I have to give credit to all great coaches, Phil, Pop, Rudy T, is they have this, this way of having their players mentally prepared. Because there's a lot of times where I've gone up against guys in the playoffs and they're not mentally ready. You know, you have to be laser focused. And there's something about Phil who's been able to coach the great players. Think about it. Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal. Dennis he Robin. gets these guys focused and ready to play. The Zen Master. All right, Rob, we're at the pl- we're at the point where you know I love who's getting the Big Shot Bob Award. For me, the Big Shot Bob Award goes to John Paxson. Yeah, he has to get it, man. <laughs> he has to get it. You know, think about it. He made the shot at the end of the game six to win it. And, and, and you know, there's and think about it, those three shots he hit in a row in a previous game. Mm-hmm. And so 
there's nobody else that I can give it to. I can't give it to Michael Jordan because he's my MVP. Yeah. And Scottie Pippen, I would love to give it to you, but Scottie didn't even shoot any threes in this series, I don't think. So I know it's, I, I, people who are listening, I know it. You know, it's it's more than just shooting threes, but daggers like threes can take the heart of the opposing team. So John Paxson gets my big shot Bob Award. If it was a big dunk Bob Award, maybe you know, maybe Pippen would have gotten it for this one, but I understand. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Pip would have definitely got it. <laughs> Rob, this has been another another fun one to break down. Absolutely great time doing this with you. I can't wait for the folks and make sure you guys tune in next week because we're gonna have some dirt love. I'm gonna say something before we go. This one, I know you listening to us on this podcast, but go watch this series. Go watch it and 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 watch the artistry of MJ. Watch how good Scotty is. And so you'll come away after watching this game with two things. Michael Jordan is a GOAT. He was efficient. He was quick. He was fantastic. And Scotty Pippen is no Robin. He's one of the great players that played this game, and there's a reason he's a top 75. So this series is a great series to watch. And, and yet, and on the flip side of that, on the losing side, Charles Barkley at this time was probably you know, top five players in the NBA. Hey, I won't lie. Pip, you, honestly, you versus Pippen as a matchup in a in a final series would have been a hell of a lot of fun. I know. And, and people, it's like, I was, I looked it up. We played them, uh, the game, Dream 28, Vernon 19, me 18, Kenny 17, Otis 19. And then you go down to them, MJ 26, Pip 22, Horace get 12. It was, I'm telling you, man, people don't understand it, See, here's the thing with, with, with players, and I'm gonna just—I I can only speak for me. When you have plays ran for you, there's so many things you can do, from the mental aspect of it to putting the onus on the other guy to play you. And in this game, you know, Rudy used to run plays for me. I'm like, dude, I could post up, I could score. Pip, you ain't gonna have it easy on the other end, now, cause I'm gonna go at you. You know, so I, I, I was—I was a better three-point shooter than Pip too. So I've been like, it's been a good series, man. Yep. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of 
$300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.